The Tar Heels took a trip down to Miami this weekend, and the defense made just enough stops for Carolina to leave with their fourth straight victory over the Hurricanes. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Monday, October 10th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or your first watch every single day. Please don't forget that we are free and available anywhere you get podcasts, so you can subscribe right now to make sure that you don't miss a second of your team every day. Well, we had our first October giveaway week last week, and big congrats to Damian Spickerite, who won our giveaway a $10 Starbucks gift card. This week, it is a Carolina bucket hat, and if you want to win that, all you have to do is subscribe to the YouTube channel. For those of you watching, just hit the subscribe button in the corner there. If you're listening, just hop on YouTube, find Locked on Tar Heels, and hit subscribe. On Saturday of this week, we will draw a name and figure out who this week's winner will be. I'll get your address from you and send you off a Carolina bucket hat. It's going to be awesome. Okay, the Tar Heels get this victory over Miami, 27-24. Very close, but Carolina did just enough, particularly the defense in the fourth quarter, to bend and not break and let the Tar Heels leave with a 5-1 overall record. Just one game shy of bowl eligibility. Also would match the total number of victories last year. Yowza, Carolina hopes to achieve that next weekend in Durham against the Blue Devils. Perhaps more importantly, the Tar Heels are 2-0 in conference play, and also they're the only undefeated team in terms of ACC play in the Coastal Division. And so you've already got a leg up, and you want to keep that going. Again, that winning another on the road at Durham next weekend would be huge. In fact, the Tar Heels are 3-0 now on the road after being 0-5 on the road last year, 0-6 away from Keenan Stadium, including the bowl game. And so love to see what they've done. All three wins, as our brother Anthony Pagnotta pointed out to me this weekend, have been by one possession, but they've been doing it. The Tar Heels have moved up into the coaches poll. They are 25th. They're, they're barely in, but they're in. And then in the AP poll, they're just on the outside looking in, coming in at the first team in others receiving votes. So they're 26th right now in the AP poll, and certainly another win would probably move them right on in. I want to first talk about some big picture things. That's all what we always do with our post-game recap. And then I'm going to tell you about three plays that I thought really impacted the game, three players that stood out, and of course, my shady stat of the game. And where I want to start is what I'm calling the drive. And that's because it to this point, is perhaps the biggest single drive the Tar Heels have had this season. Perhaps you disagree with me. I'd love to hear it. Leave a comment in the YouTube comments or send me a Twitter DM or something like that. But here's why I think this drive was so important. First off, it came right after a huge play from the defense. We're going to talk more about it in a minute, so I'm not going to spoil that for now. But this is in the fourth quarter. North Carolina gets the ball at their own 17-yard line. There's 12.31 left in the game, so pretty early in the fourth quarter, and they're leading at this point 24-17. to 17. 
as we've talked about, and as you know, the running game has had varying levels of um, effect this year. It started off being very hot, but is, has come down in recent weeks, and it's the passing game that has held firm and done really well. But North Carolina then, now leading by one touchdown with these 12 and a half minutes left, need to be able to hold the ball, run clock, run on the ground to um, basically limit Miami's opportunity to get their offense back on the field. So what happens? Well, 18 plays and 8 minutes and 21 seconds of gameplay later, Noah Burnett kicks a field goal to give the Heels a two-possession lead at 27-17. More importantly, at the end of that drive, Miami only had about four minutes left. And so the, the offense comes out. Drake May, who's thrown two picks in this game already, does everything he needs to do. I would have liked to see them take a little more time off the play clock, get, get even more time off the, the game clock there. But hey, I'm just I'm just nitpicking at that point. But Carolina does a great job of driving down the field, holding the ball, getting incremental gains, running clock, and getting Miami into a position where, hey, we're down two possessions and we don't have much time left to achieve that. As we well know what happened, yes, they did end up scoring a touchdown, but weren't able to do anything else on the scoreboard. And that is due in large part to this drive. I love to see redshirt freshman Drake May being able to not just pick apart a defense, go downfield, as we saw with J.J. Jones earlier in this game, but really be able to sustain a, a, a clock-eating drive. And so for me, this was huge, not just for this game, but for Drake May's progression and for this season. Now, I know this score, 27-24, isn't necessarily a convincing win, right? But let's put that aside and just take the word convincing out because it is a win, not only is it a win, but as we just acknowledged a minute ago, it is a road win. The past couple of years, Carolina hasn't always won these games, um, so many of which are just really come down to one or two key plays. I know you got to play an entire 60 minutes, but there are usually a few key plays late that you really need to go your way to secure a victory. Carolina hasn't always been able to do that lately, but in this one, they did. And as I said, that now moves them to 3-0 on the road after being 0-5 on the road last season. So, so, so important. Um, and I know those first two road games were against Sunbelt opponents, but it doesn't matter. Um, you go on the road, it's tough to win, and Carolina did just that. One of the things we were watching for this week is what kind of performance Carolina's defense would have coming off of that showing where they allowed just 10 points to Virginia Tech last weekend. Remember, we asked the questions, if, if you've been tracking with us this week, was that more about Carolina's defense or Virginia Tech's inability on offense? And what I said all week long is, listen, the, the defense doesn't need to, I mean, it's great if they're going to surrender just 10 points a game, but Honestly, with the rate the offense is going, if the defense can keep a team under 30, you're going to win most of these football games this season. And that's exactly what happened. They didn't, Carolina didn't keep the Hurricanes to 10 points, but they held them to 24, and that was enough to do the trick. Now, I know the offense was held under 30 for the first time this season, but they got 27, and that's really close to 30. And so the Tar Heels come away with a victory. You love to see that. Finally, as I alluded to, Drake May did have two interceptions. It was interesting. It was his last throw before halftime and his first throw out of halftime. And coming into the game, you're probably aware, only had 
one interception all season long and so now has three. He was able to pull it together the rest of the half, though. No more interceptions and was able to, as we said, have some important drives sustained in the second half, even though it was a very low scoring half. The two teams combined had, I believe, just 13 points in the half. I'm taking that number off my head, but Carolina had two field goals and Miami had a touchdown there. Well, we're going to get into three plays that I thought really had a massive impact on this game right after I tell you about Simply Safe. Friends, the numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I have several friends in my life who use Simply Safe in their own home. Simply Safe protects you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. Now, here's why I love Simply Safe. In this day and age of being able to control everything digitally, I'm a big fan of Simply Safe's advanced technology, which allows you to control the system from your phone while seeing everything in crystal clear, high definition. With 24-7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. So customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more. Friends, there's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, so let's now talk about three plays that I thought really either changed this game or were just electric plays in this game. And I want to start with uh, one on offense, and then we're going to have two defensive plays. And this was just a silly play. It was Carolina's uh, third touchdown of the day, third and final touchdown of the day, I guess it would be. And it was from Drake May to Josh Downs, giving Josh Downs um, a, a touchdown. And he's been able to have so many in a few short games this season, and you'd love to see that. One of the big things that was important about this play is not the play itself, but what it came out of. Remember, we always got to think about the context in which plays happen. This came off a fourth and nine conversion. Carolina has had great success on fourth down this season. Mac Brown uh, is like a new uh, wild gunslinger who's just going for it on fourth down, but just based on um, quite a few analytical choices. And so Carolina was one for two earlier in the game, um, missed in the red zone on a fourth and four or five. It was just the second time in the red zone all season the Tar Heels didn't come away with points. But in this scenario, Carolina connected on a fourth and nine catch. And then two plays later is this touchdown. May is backpedaling. There's a defender falling at his feet, kind of diving to try and get the sack. And it's like a fadeaway throw um, that goes to about the five or six yard line where Josh Downs is able to corral it, but he's like running kind of away from the goal line at an angle to avoid a defender. And once he catches the ball, steps back all the way to like the 10, he plants his foot on the 10 and then shoots toward the end zone, is able to was able to avoid two defenders, planted his foot and just took off like a bullet for the end zone, is able to dive in between two Miami defenders converging on him and ultimately score a touchdown. And if you didn't see this play, 
or even if you did, you need to go back and watch it multiple times because this is so impressive from both these guys and shows to me a lot of the capability of both Drake May and Josh Downs and, and what the entire team, the supporting cast, is able to do there to make these sorts of plays happen. This is not the only time we're going to see this, but this is a great Heisman-type moment for Drake May. And I know this wasn't an, an ideal game for him. Um, still had over 300 passing yards, still had two touchdown passes, um, but didn't just have the gaudy numbers and obviously had those couple interceptions, but a great play from both of those guys. All right. My second and third plays both involve Cedric Gray for various reasons. And it's cool because on both of these plays, he is not the main guy that most people are going to remember, which is uh, chiefly in part why I wanted to point them out. There was a moment in the fourth quarter. This is the moment um, that leads into that big drive that we just talked about that ate up nearly eight and a half minutes of the fourth quarter. Here's what happens. Carolina, let me set the scene. Carolina is leading 24-17, so just by one touchdown. Nice drive for Miami. It starts at their own 18, and they've gotten all the way to the Carolina 26, so they're knocking on the door of the red zone. It's a fourth and one. Miami elects to go for it. Carolina had had some success stopping the Canes on fourth down, but Miami has also had some success on fourth down. So they go for it. Pretty easy pickup right across the line there. But what happens? Our man Cedric Gray gets a strip. The, the ball comes out and then Geo Biggers falls on it to get Carolina the possession. And I got to tell you, right about this point, it had that feeling of like, dude, Miami is going and going and going. They're going to at least easily get three points because they were already right there very much in field goal range. But it felt like they were maybe going to go all the way and get a touchdown here to tie this game um, early in the fourth quarter. And who knows? Again, you're on the road. Miami's built some momentum in this game. And so this stripped by Cedric Gray and then Geo Biggers awareness to fall on it and get Carolina um, possession of the ball now actually inside the red zone territory um, is huge for the Tar Heels, not to mention what it led to that field goal we just talked about that came on the end of almost eight and a half minute drive. And now Carolina has a two possession lead. Huge, huge, huge. The strip and recovery from Cedric Gray and Geo Biggers. Way to go, fellas. Okay, then my final of the three plays that I thought had such a huge impact on this game, and honestly, there were a ton in this game. I had trouble narrowing it down today, but I thought these were really important. And I sometimes like to pick out um, maybe a forgotten play because I think most of you are going to imagine stop in and make a guess. What do you think I'm going to go to right now for this final play? A lot of people are probably thinking DeAndre Boykin's interception to seal the game on the final meaningful play of the game. But I actually want to go back one play before that play. Why that? Well, I'll tell you. Let me set the scene once again. It's second and 10 from the Miami 47. So just on the negative side of, of midfield for them, they're trying to got 53 more yards to get to the end zone or at least get into field goal territory to kick a game tying field goal. At this point, Carolina is up just 27-24. There's 35 seconds left on the clock. And what happens, uh, it's after an incompletion. So Miami gets up to the line. They got time, taking their time. Second and 10, 35 seconds left. Tyler Van Dyke is flushed to the right and dumps off to Jaleel Skinner. Picks up about six yards. So it's going to be, looks like he's going to get out of bounds. It's going to be 
third and about four with now about 25 or so seconds left on the clock. Plenty of time for Miami to go down and get in field goal range for a game tying kick. Not so fast. Why? Here comes Cedric Gray flying in. I don't even think Skinner realized he's there because it wasn't like he was moseying to the to get out of bounds, but he sir, it wasn't the most urgent thing ever if you go back and watch. Well, Cedric Gray is able to wrestle him to the ground in bounds, and that's the key. That's why this play is so important. Why? Because it's like right on the line there. It's, it's a little bit hard to tell. I thought he was tackled in bounds in real time and the referee kind of lay. He wasn't an immediate call. It was a little, little unfair to Miami there, but still eventually he wheels his arm indicating that uh, the clock will continue to roll. And so Miami now all of a sudden has to scurry back to the line. It's going to be um, third down. So you don't want to spike the ball because then it's fourth down and you've only got one shot to get about four or five yards, depending on where the spot was going to be. Um, and so uh, you don't you don't want to spike it. You don't have any timeouts left, by the way. Miami's out of timeout, so they got to keep rolling. So what happens is Tyler Van Dyke is now rushed. Miami's hurrying to the line. They got to get this playoff. Maybe if it's incomplete, they have time to get another one off on fourth down. But because he's rushed, uh, I don't know if he just didn't see Cayman Rucker coming in or, or what, but Cayman Rucker is able to just get a piece of the pass and it sails. And who's there to get it? DeAndre Boykins, who had made a huge stop earlier in, in a fourth down scenario um, to get Carolina the ball on a turnover on downs. But that's the point at which Boykins does get that game ceiling interception. And so while that was an important play, that doesn't happen in that scenario without Cedric Gray making that tackle in bounds. I think that's just so huge because if he's able to get out of bounds, Miami can get set. They can run two more plays to get four yards, um, probably have a really great shot at working their way into field goal range. And then who knows what happens in overtime or maybe even they score a touchdown and now Carolina has lost. But Skinner did not get out of bounds. Cedric Gray made this tackle. And then Carolina was able, it forced Miami into that hurry up. We get the interception and ball game victory formation. Drake May kneels down. Way to go, Cedric Gray. Two huge fourth quarter play here that might have gone otherwise overlooked. I want to tell you next about the three players I thought were huge in this game. Three players, or as you know, sometimes I'll give you a, a specific unit, which we'll do today. And also, I'm going to bring you my shady stat of the game right after I tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all of the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. For example, Drake May has been slowly but surely climbing his way up the Heisman odds charts on Bet Online. Interested to see where that comes out this week. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs going on right now, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to Bet Online or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. 
Okay, so let's get into the last segment here where we're going to talk about the three players or units I thought had a huge impact on this game. And the first of which is the defensive line. And the reason I bring them up is because they have been uh, probably born the brunt. They It's either them or the secondary of most of Carolina families um, frustration with the defense so far this season. And so when they do as much as when they don't hold up there into the bargain, we're going to um, call them to task on that. When they do really good things, we want to make sure to shout that out and point it out as well. And um, such was the case on Saturday, Carolina's defensive line. It's the whole defensive unit, but chiefly when you're in a goal line stand, it is the line. And so that's what we want to shout out and just say, way to go, defensive line. You're going to earn one of our player of the game recognitions. Miami gets the ball down to first and goal at the Carolina two. Wow. At this point, the Tar Heels are leading just seven to nothing. And so you expect that Miami is going to score. Carolina had just had a turnover on downs themselves, um, failing to complete a fourth and four when Drake May and Josh Downs weren't necessarily on the same page. And here's how this sequence plays out. First down, Miami has a one-yard rush tackled by Keyshawn Silver. Second down, now the ball's at the one. Zero-yard rush tackled by Keyshawn Silver. Third down, zero-yard rush tackled by Miles Murphy. So three straight runs from the, from the two and then the one and the one. Nothing doing for Miami. Carolina's front holds really strong. Fourth down, now all of a sudden Miami says, ah, we haven't been able to um, work with the run. So now on fourth down is when we're going to decide to throw because Carolina had thwarted them each of those others. And so <laughs> kind of interesting play call. I, I was curious. They didn't use a run on one of the plays earlier. Cause now it's, it's kind of obvious like, yeah, what are, what are we going to do here? But anyway, Miami takes to the air incomplete pass. Van, Tyler Van Dyke had been hurried by Cayman Rucker, who we've already talked about on the show today, making his presence known more and more and more. So Carolina then gets the ball on turnover on downs at their own one, takes it 99 yards for a score, and now it's 14-0 Carolina. Now, here's why I think this unit needs to be shouted out for that. Perhaps that play was the beginning of something that could be a, a turning point. A goal line stand can, can be huge in the course of a season, especially in a big road game like this. Um, so I'm really curious to watch not just from the rest of the Miami game, but long-term, was that a season-changing moment for both the defensive line and the de defensive unit as a whole? We'll have to keep our eyes on that. Second player I want to point out is Caleb Hood. Um, he, at this point, has pretty clearly taken over RB1 duties. He's now started each of the past two games over Amarion Hampton, who had started for a while um, following uh, the season opener, which, if I remember correctly, DJ Jones started that one. Um, and so Caleb Hood starts, um, has 13 carries for 74 yards, five catches for 50 yards. And so, man, the the... Carolina offense was involving him early and often wanting to, I think, help establish the run game so that, that that then opens up Drake May's passing capability. One of the things, though, that is an, an unfortunate thing that happened is Caleb Hood um, came out of the game banged up on two different occasions. And unless I just missed it, after the second one, he did not come back in. So very curious to hear um, from Coach Brown here on Monday 
And so make sure you, you check into his press conference to hear any updates on Caleb Hood and his availability for the Duke game this coming weekend. Hopefully he will be ready to go. If not, we will, I expect, see a lot more of Omarion Hampton, who had a touchdown on Saturday, but also it looked at one point like he did something to his right wrist. So running back room just, just keep getting banged up. So we'll have to see. Maybe uh, if Caleb Hood's unavailable again, it might be some more of George Petaway mixed in with Hampton. We will just have to wait and See The third player I want to shout out is that man, Mr. Josh Downs, who has been working his way back from injury, had six receptions for 69 yards in that very impressive touchdown that we talked about just a few minutes ago. But specifically, the reason I wanted to highlight Josh Downs is because that touchdown pass moved him into a tie with Dwight Jones for 10th on the UNC all-time receiving touchdowns list. And he is just slowly but surely working his way up that list. He has 16 total touchdown receptions in his career. You got to imagine he's going to have quite a few more as this season continues to unfold and will work his way on up that list. And so just to highlight Josh Downs, um, him coming back from injury, him working himself into the Carolina record book and inevitably moving higher and further up that list. Can't wait to see what all he does. And our final talking point of today is the shady stat of the game. For the So for those of you watching, you know that I'm putting on my Ray-Bans. Love it because you can see the ring lights and the reflection, and it looks super rad. So shady stat of the game. So far in the 2022 season, North Carolina has played how many games? Six. That's right. They're five and one. Now, uh, a little uh, Mr. Obvious here for you, but there are four quarters in every football game. What do you know about that? Six times four is 24. So that means the Tar Heels have played 24 quarters of football so far this season. Why am I putting you through the drudgery of learning all this math? Well, it's because that in those 24 quarters, the Tar Heels have scored points in 23 of them. That's right. 23 of the 24 quarters Carolina has played this season, they have scored points. The lone quarter they didn't, well, it's kind of of their own own doing. It was the fourth quarter of the Virginia Tech game last week. The Tar Heels are up already 41 to 10. Nothing doing for either team. Both are getting in reserves and second and third stringers and those things. And so Carolina wasn't able to punch any points across or kick any points uh, through the uprights either. And so 23 of 24 quarters with the only non-scoring quarter being a one at the very end of a blowout. And so totally understandable. Way to go Tar Heels. Keep this scoring going. Again, this offense is elite, although it was held to under 30 points for just the first time this season. you got to think that the Tar Heels will have a big rebound at Duke this coming weekend. Well, friends, that is it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Please don't forget to join us in our Drive for Five. Subscribe so you can be entered into the opportunity to win the Carolina Bucket Hat. I will show it to you on an episode later this week. Coming up tomorrow, Matt Krause, the Carolina women's basketball play-by-play announcer, is joining me to unpack live action. He was on the call for this game along with Kyle Straub and Garrison Brooks. You love to see that. And so he was gracious enough to come join us on the show and unpack what he saw. Obviously, we're going to be doing a lot of prep for the Duke game throughout the week and would love to see that. And we might, might later this week have a very special guest joining us. So stay tuned for that. 
If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do that at Locked on Heels. You can also follow me on Twitter at Isaac Shade. Get more on the ACC by making Locked on ACC your second listen of the day. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On take you around the conference in 30 minutes, five days a week. We'd love to invite you to subscribe to the show, smash the like button, leave some comments on your thoughts from this game. We'd love to hear what you thought about it. And make sure to hit that bell so you get a notification anytime a new episode drops. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on Monday, getting your week started off the right way. I want to remind you that it is always a great day to be a target. Until tomorrow, peace!